Hello and welcome to episode three of the SkyCast, presented by Locked On Women's Basketball and High Post Hoops. I'm your host, Nick Neendorf, here to talk to you about all things Chicago Sky. Before we begin, make sure you're following us on Twitter at LockedOnWBB and at High Post Hoops for 24-7 coverage of women's basketball everywhere. I'm recording this podcast on June 5th, 4.06 Central Time, so I won't be discussing Wednesday night's Sky Mystics game, but feel free to read my article on that game at HighPostHoops.com. And for today's episode, I want to focus on the Sky's win over the Seattle Storm on Saturday, 83-79, and talk about the offense and the defense again and what I liked and what I thought needed improving. Now, just a basic rundown of the game, Allie Quigley was the game's leading scorer with 25 points as well as 4 assists. Diamond DeShields had 21 points, 5 rebounds, 3 assists, 2 steals, and a block. And Courtney Vandersloot just missed out on a triple-double. She had 10 points, 11 assists, and 8 rebounds, as well as 2 steals. Jantelle Lavender had 8 points, 7 rebounds, 2 steals, and 3 assists in her first start with the Sky. And then Astu New had 7 points in 7 minutes. And actually, I just found out that her last name is pronounced New and not Endure. I found that out during the broadcast. So shout out to the broadcast team for bringing that to my attention. And just talking about the Sky's performance overall, I mean, it's just a night and day difference between their game against the Lynx, in which they just got throttled and looked pretty bad on both ends of the floor, um, and Saturday night's game. They were they just looked much more in sync. They had a much better effort overall on both ends of the floor. The offense was very clearly clicking, and I think having that, that week break between their opener and their home opener really helped them. They got five practices in, and I think that was really key for them to get on the same page. You know, we didn't see any of those kind of just dumb turnovers that have, you know, no reason to occur. We just, you know, we saw an offense that was really clicking that it was just such a tighter performance from them overall. I really felt like this is the team that we can get. This is kind of what the sky can look like at their best. I don't know if we're going to be getting it consistently throughout the season, but this is kind of the vision that I think a lot of sky fans had um, looking optimistically at the season of what this team can be. You know, they ran the floor super well. They shot the heck out of the ball. Um, they played passable defense. Wasn't great. Definitely some some lapses, but good enough in stretches where they could get stops and build a lead and as well as hold a lead, although they did let it slip out of their hands down the stretch uh, before retaking it towards the end. But it was a very positive performance for the team. And really the offense overall was just a treat to watch. Uh, the Sky shot 36 for 70 from the field. And they really hit a lot of their open looks this time around, whereas against the Lynx, I felt that they did a good job generating open looks, but just could not capitalize on them. And I thought this game was a good representation of what this offense can do when they are hitting those looks at a respectable rate. Really, I thought that the Sky offense looked downright deadly during stretches of the game, especially in transition. They had 17 transition points, and a lot of those were open looks created by either penetrating with the ball or just swinging it around the perimeter. And the Sky are actually now leading the league in pace, and I expect them to stay either at the top or in the number two spot just behind the uh, Aces. And as far as shooting from deep goes, because, you know, we're going to talk about this every single week, the Sky got to the point where I think they need to be for the rest of the season. They shot 22 threes, which is right around the mark that, you know, I've heard different members of the team talk about that they need to hit that 20 spot. And they hit seven of those threes. So didn't even necessarily hit 
an incredible percentage of their threes. Just by shooting that volume, it changes the way defenses are playing them. And one really interesting thing to note was that everyone who logged minutes in the game shot at least one three. So I do think that this is a roster where everyone on the team is capable of hitting the occasional three at least. And so I'm kind of glad to see that Wade is going to empower these players to shoot threes when they're open. And if you look at the tape, there's really nobody on the sky who, when they're open from three, hesitates before shooting. You know, they're all pretty direct. Obviously, some of the players who don't necessarily shoot a ton of threes are looking for a pass first, maybe, you know, seeing if there's a lane open, but they're really not, nobody looks scared out there to shoot from deep. You can definitely see the effect shooting had in terms of straining Seattle's defense. They really struggled to get out into the perimeter, really struggled to keep the sky off the three-point line, and that opened up lanes for some of the slashers on the team. Going forward, teams are going to adjust. They're going to figure out this offense. They're going to figure out how to defend it. But that just gives Wade a chance to counterpunch them and expose another area when they do adjust. And so that's kind of up to Wade. That's up to the players to figure out when teams kind of, you know, this isn't this isn't necessarily something that's incredibly new to teams, but it's something that you do have to play against a couple times before you before you can really scout it, before you can understand how you're going to defend it, because obviously the system has been done before. Pace and space isn't some brand new idea to basketball, but the personnel that are implementing this system are obviously different. And so I, I am very interested to see how defenses adapt to defending it and how the sky look. Can they be consistent with it or not? I think that's going to be the big question with them moving forward. And honestly, as much as I thought the system looked great and the team overall looked great, it's hard not to focus on the individual performances of the big three. The big three being, of course, Ali Quigley, Diamond to Shields, and Courtney Vandersloot. Ali Quigley, for one, looked amazing. She took 17 shots, something she's only done eight times in her career before. She did it three times last season. And a lot of those shots came in rhythm within the offense, which I think is a good sign. Wade really loves running her off the screens to get her open looks and get her moving towards the basket with the ball in her hands. Obviously, it's early in the season, but per Synergy Sports, 36% of her attempts are coming off of screen so far. So that's what I really like to see when you have somebody who is such a great shooter like Allie, but is also capable of putting the ball on the floor and is an average finisher around the rim. That really opens up the floor for her. It makes it difficult for defenses to get on her when she's coming off those screens. She was also just completely unguardable on the break. You know, she can take it herself coast to coast. She knows the right passes to make when the defense steps up and is obviously somebody that defenses have to hunt down when she's off ball, which generally leaves other players open. And defenses are obviously going to choose to leave literally anybody else on the floor open from three. But when those other players are maybe, you know, another capable shooter, that that changes things for defenses in transition. So it was obviously a huge game for her, and you can't expect that every night, but I would love to see her with those same opportunities every night. I would love to see her have the chance, maybe it's not 17 shots, but you know, 14, 15, 16 shots every night in the flow of the offense with a a little bit of her hunting for her own shots, forcing defenses to have to go above and beyond to keep track of her off the ball. I think that's, that's how we're really going to see Allie Quigley reach her full potential within this system, and I think it's something that Wade will continue to push her towards. Diamond Shields had a great bounce back game. I wasn't particularly worried about her off night against the Lynx, just because she did have the head injury. They were they were getting blown out anyway. So how much she was going to be locked in was going to always be, you know, kind of suspect. But it was good to see her kind of reach the heights that we're expecting of her and go above above those expectations that we have for her. I mean, she just looked 
absolutely amazing. Looks super comfortable in transition. She just takes the ball into the teeth of the defense without fear, and she, she knows her spot-up position. She she knows where she wants to be, and you can just tell she's going to thrive within this offense. And there were certain points in the game where the sky were kind of bleeding a bit, and she would just take over and get them a bucket. I mean, her ISO numbers aren't great yet, but obviously it's a two-game sample size, and that first game was kind of a throwaway game for her. But I really just think she's going to be a huge threat in isolation, especially if she's hitting her threes. Again, I I said this in the first episode of the podcast, but she could be one of the most unguardable players in the game. It might not be this year. It might not be next year. But I mark my words, she will be one of the most unguardable players the game has ever seen. And I mean that wholeheartedly. When you consider just how athletic she is, her ability to shoot off the dribble, her ability to get to the rim, when she can get her efficiency up, it's just going to make her such an incredible new player. And and the game against the Storm was kind of an insight into that player. Now, whether or not that's a height that she can come close to night in, night out remains to be seen. I'm obviously a little skeptical of that. But if she can be consistently good and she can consistently approach these heights, obviously not hit these numbers because these numbers were ridiculous every night. But if she can approach them, the sky are going to be good shape in her hands. Of course, there's Courtney Vandersloot, who just really controlled this game the whole way through. And I honestly thought it was a pretty representative game of Sloot. You know, all her, all her, you know, the great things she brings to the game, as well as some of her shortcomings. You know, she was very efficient shooting the ball. She passed the absolute heck out of the ball, but she also had five turnovers. You know, for her, she just controls everything about this guy offense, especially on the break. Her basketball IQ is just so evident when you see the choices she makes and how she gets the ball to players and puts her teammates into positions to just score easily. And I really do think she is she's the heart of this team. You know, as much as Diamonds and as much as Allie are major contributors and major stars for this team, I do kind of view Vandersloot as the heart. She just manipulates the pace of the game so well and just moves the defenses in certain ways that makes it so much easier for her teammates and for players like Diamond and Allie to get into positions to do what they do best, which is to score. And yeah, she had five turnovers. And I don't want to gloss over that. Five turnovers is not good. I don't want Vandersloot consistently averaging five turnovers. That's, that's not good. That'd be a WNBA record. We don't want that. But I do think it's something that Wade is willing to live with to a certain extent. The Storm only got five points off of those turnovers, which is obviously, you know, a little bit of luck goes into that. Obviously, there's other factors like Sky's transition D. But when she's passing the ball like she did against the Storm, those turnovers are completely worth it. When she's getting 11 assists, completely opening up the floor for her teammates and just knowing where to swing the ball. And it's something that I think is underrated, getting the ball to somebody who's going to make the pass that's going to lead to a score. Not, you know, getting those hockey assists, I think, is something that she is just so good at. And so I think the turnovers of her are always just going to be a talking point. It's always going to be something to address. And it's a valid talking point. I don't mean to dismiss that in any way. But I do kind of think it just comes with the territory when you have this high of a usage. When you're doing that much for the offense, it makes sense that you're going to turn the ball over a lot. I do think her passing is something you're willing to live with, especially because she's not a shot hunter. You know, she's not going to take a ton of shots. She's going to leave those shots for Quigley, for DeShields, for her teammates. You know, all her shots are, are going to be, you know, when they need to be almost. You know, I feel like she has really good shot selection. I'd almost like to see her shoot a little more, but I understand why she doesn't. And something that I kind of have taken for granted, but a lot of the shots that she does take are hard. 
you know, she had a pull up three off the dribble during the game that was just, it was just so nice. And it's rare to see that from a player who isn't taking a ton of shots a game, you know, but it's just awesome to, to have her give us these little reminders that, Hey, if I was the sole focal point of this offense, I could be doing this night in night out, but I don't have to. And that's something that I think is just something I want to point out for people to appreciate. And so speaking about the point guard position for the sky, I wanted to talk a little bit about Gabby Williams at point guard and Gabby played some time at the one spot during the game uh, when Vandersloot was sitting and then also shared on-ball duties with Vandersloot when they shared the floor for a couple minutes. And this question actually comes from one of our listeners, Katie, an out-of-town Sky fan. She wanted to know whether or not Gabby Williams is the long-term answer at backup point guard for the Sky or if she's really just a stopgap there for when Jameera Faulkner returns. So thank you for the question, Katie. And, you know, Personally, I do think it is more of a short-term solution. Gabby Williams is obviously more of a natural forward. She is 5'11", so not outlandish for a point guard, but, you know, for heck's sake, she started at the power forward position opening night. But I will say, you know, she didn't necessarily disappoint me during her point guard minutes. Um, She played about six or seven minutes at point guard, bringing the ball up the floor, guarding the opposing team's one. And I do think uh, on defense is where you'll see most of her value as the point guard. She, you know, like I said, she's 5'11", so for most other guards in the league, she's going to be a size mismatch. So she can really just bully opposing point guards with her size and just kind of lock them down on defense and just be a complete pain on that end of the floor. So like I said, statistically, she wasn't incredible, but I did feel like she looked intriguing at the very least she was wor- she was at least worth a look as a backup she's not going to blow you away with her passing but the sky mostly just need their backup to be all right while Vandersloot sits uh in any case it's a good way to get gabby minutes um, with jantel lavender in it's going to be a lot tougher for her to get play time i do believe that that forward spot is kind of up for grabs as far as bench minutes goes we haven't seen a complete standout yet. And especially with Estu New overseas again, that'll help her be able to get more minutes. But I do think Gabby Williams at point guard is definitely intriguing. I do think it's something that we can continue to see down the stretch. Whether or not Gabby Williams is nominally the backup point guard remains to be seen. But I definitely think we will see her bringing the ball up, especially when she gets bored. She'll definitely have the license to do so. But, you know, I do think this is an intriguing situation because there is a little bit of this sentiment among fans and, you know, us in the media that kind of, you know, when Jameer Faulkner is is healthy and can return, it's kind of just, it's her position. Like, she's just going to slot right in. But, you know, Faulkner hasn't been healthy in in quite some time. She's going to have some rust to shake off, and that's rust that the Sky might not have time to wait for. And I do think it's going to be a competition. I think that Gabby Williams, you know, Chloe Jackson, I think they'll all have a shot at earning those minutes. And we'll talk a little bit more about Chloe Jackson in a bit. So I I don't think, you know, I've kind of, you know, because I was was in the camp that, you know, when Jameera Faulkner's healthy, She'll come back. She'll get the minutes. But I don't know if that's 100% a lock because we don't know what she's going to look like when she gets back healthy. It's just been so long for her. She's had her struggles. And, you know, with her in the past, I do worry a little bit about her efficiency. I do think this offense will be really good for her. And she shot quite a few threes the last season she played. So, you know, we'll see. It's it's kind of a wait and see. We just don't know who we're going to get back when she does return. I hope she returns 100% healthy and you know improved but it just you just never know with players who are coming off of big injuries and so 
it's always a bit of a question mark. And so I, I wouldn't pencil out Gabby Williams as a more long-term solution. You know, I said this earlier and I wrote this in my, my game article, but Vandersloot's going to play around 30 minutes a night. And so if she's playing more on the high end, you know, that 33, 34 minutes that she played in this game, you can kind of afford to have Gabby Williams at point guard for, for six minutes at least. I don't think she's going to kill you, even if you don't necessarily like what she brings to the table as a passer or playmaker. This offense is motion-centered enough where you can kind of get away with that for stretches. You know, you spread those six minutes around, you you can live with that. I think it's when Vandersloot is playing more on the 30-minute side, the 28-minute side, that you get into more trouble because you can't really you can't really hide that, and you do need more of a solidified playmaker. And I don't know if they found that yet, but Gabby Williams definitely could be the answer. But I do think that the return of Jameera Faulkner is is a very intriguing one, despite some of my skepticism. Just think it's a it's a wait and see deal. I was very uh, pleasantly surprised with her play at point guard. And before we move into talking about defense, and while we're still on the thread of bench players and especially bench point guards, I'd like to talk about. Chloe Jackson and Katie Lou Samuelson, although obviously Samuelson isn't a point guard, but you know, their omissions from play during the game, they obviously neither of them logged a single minute and I wasn't super surprised about Katie Lou, but I was surprised about Chloe Jackson, which is a sentence I did not think I would utter during um, preseason. But for me, Chloe Jackson, I thought, you know, she wasn't incredible offensively against the Lynx. But I thought she looked excellent on defense, especially considering the rest of the team's performance in that game. I thought she really stood out. And I kind of thought that Wade would go to her more to have a good defensive presence during backup point guard minutes. But I did think Gabby Williams uh, filled in nicely there. So I'll be interested to see if Chloe Jackson does get minutes going forward. But I think when Jameer Faulkner returns... And if the Gabby Williams experiment continues, it's going to be really tough for her to see any playtime, which I'm a little disappointed about. Like I said, I really liked what she brought to the table when she did play. As for Katie Lou, as for Katie Lou, like the rest of the team, she had a bad game against the Lynx. She was just very out of sync with the game, which is completely understandable for a rookie early in the season. Um, but I saw some discussion online about you know balancing rookie development and winning games, and it's obviously it's a really tough thing to juggle. And I think you know, not playing Katie Lou a single minute is a bit surprising. And, you know, obviously it wasn't a great game overall from the Sky's bench, but I do think it's kind of hard to argue she would for sure have had a bigger impact than any of the other bench players. And it does seem like Wade doesn't expect there to be too many nights where Katie Lou is going to sit an entire game. So I think this is more of a blip than anything. But, you know, I do think it's an interesting question because the Sky are in a very weird place. They are a rebuilding team for sure. They're a team that wants, you know, they want young talent. They want people who are going to develop. But they also, you know, they have Courtney Vandersloot and Allie Quigley and now Jantel Lavender, none of whom are necessarily, you know, super young players that you're still waiting to see what their potential is. You know, you have a pretty good idea of the types of players they are. But that's kind of just how things work in the WNBA. As we've talked about before, there just aren't enough spots in this league to just have a ton of young players on one team. There's always going to be the vets. And so I think for the Sky, they're in that weird place because they have those players, but they also have a bunch of young players like like Gabby Williams, like Katie Lou Samuelson, like Chloe Jackson, that you want to get playtime to develop, but you also want to win games. You know, the Sky are clearly antsy as a franchise from these last two seasons. They want to get back to the playoffs or get really close so they can say next year for sure we're going to the playoffs. And so balancing that, it's really hard because 
if you're talking about you want to make it to the playoffs for sure this year, players like Katie Lou Samuelson and Chloe Jackson don't get the benefit of the doubt during games like the game against the Storm that was really close. But if you're talking about developing players, you obviously you want to play Katie Lou Samuelson 18 minutes a night. You want to get players like Chloe Jackson in when you can. So it's it's really tough to manage, and I think it's something that Wade is going to learn to do as we go forward. And like I said, it does seem the sentiment from him is that Katie Lou is going to play. You know, don't freak out over this one game. Katie Lou is going to play as the season goes on. So as I always say, it's something to watch. I don't expect it to be a big issue. And I do think, you know, Katie Lou, when she's on the floor, she has to be more engaged than she was against the Lynx. She has to leave an impact. She has to show that she belongs on the floor. Because players like Cheyenne Parker, uh, players like Kalia Copper, players like them, you know, whether or not their impact is negative or positive during their bench playtime, you're going to know they're on the floor. They're going to leave. They're going to make their presence felt. And so Katie Lou has to learn how to do that too. Even if it's not, even if she's struggling, there has to be impact there or else, you know, you're not going to get playtime. So again, nothing, I don't think it's a huge deal. So again, I don't think it's a huge deal, but just something to keep an eye on. I wouldn't expect much talk to go around that going forward, but it's an intriguing point for sure. Next, I want to talk about the defense. Obviously, to a certain extent, it's hard to gauge what the defense is doing against a Storm team without Sue Berg or Brianna Stewart, but you obviously you play the team in front of you, and it was still a hard-fought game. And I thought the D looked a lot better. Definitely more engaged on ball screens overall, and I thought the team knew what they were supposed to be doing more often than not, where against the Lynx, there were quite a few instances where I thought they were just playing that they weren't completely defending within the scheme and they were kind of just, you know, playing by instinct, which is obviously okay, but you want to play by instinct within the system that Wade is employing. And I don't think they were quite there yet during that game against the Lynx, but I thought against the Storm, they looked a lot closer to where they need to be. They're obviously, they're not there yet. There's still plenty of stuff to work on, but I thought it was leaps and bounds above where they were. And as I've said before, the Sky don't need to be complete lockdown ball stoppers on defense to be good they need to be average or below average they just can't be historically bad like they were last season they're just not going to get anywhere if they're doing that I just don't think they're talented enough offensively to be able to make up that gap at least not yet and so I do think that this was a good sign for them this game against the storm was a really good sign and that comes with the caveat that, you know, I thought their best ball stopper, Diamond to Shields, had an off night defensively. Still had some great plays. You know, she got a stock in there. But I do think she could have been better. She definitely got caught sleeping quite a few times. And I think it's just it's just one of those nights that just happens. So I wouldn't worry about it at all. So I think it's I think it's a credit to the rest of the team that they were they were able to play well during stretches without their best defensive player putting in the best performance. Of course, there's still plenty to work on. I thought their off-ball defense had some really bad lapses throughout the game, uh, which you really can't afford because those types of slips just kill you. It almost always leads to an immediate open shot or a defensive rotation that concedes an open shot or a layup. Those are the things that cannot happen in the WNBA, and I thought that they're still doing it, and it's something that I worry is going to continue throughout the season because that's just what the Sky have done in the past, and it's just this bug that won't go away. And it's a bug that sticks around when you're not a great defensive team. And then beyond that, I think rebounding is still a huge issue on defense. They conceded 12 offensive rebounds and they gave up 13 points on second chance shots. The sky themselves only got four points on those. 
And it really just comes down to people just do not box out. And even when the bigs are boxing out, then it's all of a sudden you have these guards flying in and getting rebounds and getting easy putbacks. I'm not saying you have to box your assignment wildly out near the three-point line, but you need to get a hand on them. You need to dissuade them from just running in. And then if they do run in, that's when you get a body in front of them. You need to be doing that consistently or else they're going to look at you, see that you're getting back on offense, and they're just going to run right in there. And that's what the Storm did constantly. And it's really just something that that does – it's hard to watch because boxing out, again, it's just an effort thing. It's fine if you are just not a good rebounding team, but you're trying. The sky just don't box out. And I can tell, you know, Wade just loses his mind when it happens, and it happens really frequently. And I think that, you know, Steph Dolson and Lavender have struggled – to take charge and cleaning the glass and staying focused. They do have their moments, but I think there's too many slip-ups. It's obviously a team effort, and other players get caught sleeping near the rim as well, but I think those two are going to be the most important moving forward, and so that's something that I would look to them to hopefully take charge in with the team's improvement. They are the two bigs on the team. And speaking of those two, that leads to another concern that I have with this team on defense, and that's rim protection. Obviously, Lavender and Dolson, I would consider both of them more natural fours, just the way that they play. Obviously, on offense, they can both stretch the floor. They're very versatile. But on defense, I think that they they have really good defensive moments, especially Lavender, but they're not quite rim protectors. They're not necessarily great at rotating over on the weak side and just, you know, destroying shots or contesting shots really well. I thought there were one or two moments where both of them either hesitated to get over or slow to get over and that led to an easy layup. And I do understand that, you know, when you do rotate, you obviously leave your player open, but if you're not rotating, that's just an easy shot. And you'd rather force that extra pass than just give up an easy layup from the get-go. And I think that's something both of them really struggle with. And so it's tough because I do feel like they're both two natural fours, but obviously you're not paying the two of them to play 20 minutes a night. So you want them playing more than that. You want them playing starters minutes. And the only way to do that is to have Lavender at the five and Dolson at the four or vice versa, whichever way you want to call it. And I just, I'm not convinced yet that that is an ideal pairing on defense. I'm not convinced yet that that can work long-term. And so I am curious whether or not that's something that Wade sticks with. And I'm also curious if there's really any way he can maneuver around that because I don't know who else they would go to at the four, at the five on that roster without a trade or just waiting until the draft next year or getting a free agent signing at some point. I just don't, I don't see that there. So I don't mean to be gloom and doom on this defense because they did have some really bright moments on this game, but the game in reality should not have been as close as it was. I do think the offense shot themselves in the foot quite a bit with turnovers and just kind of fumbling the ball at moments, but the defense just, they could not string together stops when they needed to halt the storm's momentum. They really struggled to do that and rebounding has consistently been that big issue. And that's another thing with, you know, Lavender and Dolson together. Neither of them are just, you know, neither of them are complete glass cleaners. And I think both of them on their own at the four spot with a very, you know, a traditional glass cleaning rim protecting five are great. But, you know, together you see those problems magnified. And so, again, I think it can be a problem spot going forward and I guess the question is like what five can the sky realistically get to start for them right away 
that would be impactful that would be impactful in the starting lineup who is realistic that they could get I'd, I'd really love to hear all of your opinions because I don't know if there is I don't know if there's anybody at the sky could realistically get without giving up extra pieces I, I don't know if that if that if the market for that trade is out there just quite yet so I think really Wade is going to have to look towards internal development between those two and you know some bench players being able to step up uh, when those two sit or when one of them sit and I think it is an issue for the future for them to search for and potentially finding a more traditional five that can rebound, that can protect the rim, and that can play along fours like Lavender and Dolson. But I don't know if that's possible this season. So again, like I said, internal development, I think, will be the way for that. And it just might be something that the Sky have to struggle with all year. And, you know, granted, playing those two together on offense provides a lot of versatility and it provides mismatches on offense because those two can be a pain to guard. And I don't think either of them have had the strongest showing so far. I think Lavender's had some cleaner showings on offense than Dolson so far, but I do think she's going to kick in a little more as the season progresses. So I think there is a lot of value there offensively. The question is whether or not that offsets the defensive deficiencies that have been shown so far and were shown in the Storms game. But like I said, internal development could help change that or at least mitigate the problem. It's just something we'll have to wait and see on. So going forward with the defense, again, it's something that I think we're going to have to grapple with every single game, every single week. I don't think the defense is ever going to have super stellar nights. And for that reason, I feel like we're going to see a lot of close games with this guy. But I think there's going to be a lot of development this season. I think there are a lot more signs of life on this defense than there were last year. And the fact that they have improved so much from that game against the Lynx, and we're not saying this growth is going to continue to be this exponential. That's, you know, very unlikely. But I do think that's an excellent sign that they did have that growth. And I think that this is a different team. This is definitely a different defense. And I do really believe that they have the capabilities, maybe not this season, but in future seasons, to be a solid defense and be the type of defense that can go deep into the playoffs. I don't know if they have the personnel just yet, but I think that can happen in the future, and I do feel like it's within reach. Well, thank you for listening to Episode 2 of the SkyCast right here on Locked On Women's Basketball and High Post Hoops. My name is Nick Niedorf, and if you liked what you heard here today and want more coverage of the Chicago Sky, make sure you're following us at Locked On WBB and at High Post Hoops. And if you're interested in having any comments or questions answered on the pod, shoot us an email at theskycastpodcast at gmail.com or send me a message on Twitter.